How many knows he's an overcomer, right? And you're an overcomer because of him. Give it up one more time for the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Great job. What a song he has overcome. So uh, my wife and I, just from the bottom of our heart, uh, just we've been humbled over the last week with all the cards and gift cards and blessings and uh, pies and tumblers and just all kind of stuff. And, and we want to thank you, honey. Go ahead and share you with them. Good. Go yes. ahead. And keep sharing. <laughs> no, it was good. It was just, um, just so much. You all just did so much. And really, we just want to take a moment and say thank you. There was um, amazing pie. We got a homemade pie that just, I hate to tell you this, but we ate the whole thing. Yes, we did. We had a whole week, but that was and ice cream. Yeah, we it, yeah, we, we got some Yeti this. tumblers. Those were pretty cool. Yeah, we just got good fun stuff. But the thing that meant the most to us is that y'all spent the day with us and um, celebrated not us for the ten yeah. years, but just what God has done in the past yeah. ten years. And and like our little koozies and sunglasses and all that said, we really believe the best is yet to come. That God has big things in store. Um, for Grace Church and for Hickory. So not us, but for us. So we love y'all so much, and thank you from the bottom of our heart. Amen. Yeah, thank you. Again, thank you. Thank you so much. We we so much appreciate it. A couple of things really quickly. Uh, At the end of each service, we do like a compassion offering. And so the compassion offering this week and next week will be to help with the Cherokee trip. So maybe you can't go, you'd like to give, maybe you are going, you'd just like to give an offering, all that will go towards uh, the missions trip up into Cherokee. We have a good budget, we've had great people that have been able to help us out. Uh, and as with every budget, sometimes there's some uh, shortfalls, and so we're, we're working hard and diligently, we're excited. And so if you'd like to give, we wanna give everybody an opportunity to give this week and next week for the Cherokee missions trip at the end of service on your way out if you'd like to give. Uh, we'd love, we'd love to, to have you to help out. So, and then we have some shout-outs today. I think we have maybe seven or so people watching from Cabo San Lucas today. So give a shout-out to Cabo. Cabo, greetings. We uh, hope you catch a tan for all of us. And so uh, then, of course, we always have people from Omaha, Nebraska. Give a shout-out to Omaha, Nebraska. And give a shout-out to everybody else that's watching online. Come on, church. Praise God. We're excited. We've got a lot going on. Uh, Janie and I were uh, in Trinidad back in March. We met some one player uh, for the Iowa State University football team who said, I'm going to be checking you guys out weekly. We have different people that we just watched from L.A. to New York, from Texas up into the Dakotas. And so God's just really cool doing some fun stuff. And so we're glad you're here today. And we're in the third part of... Uh, What's your butt? What's your excuse? Next week, uh, Dobie will be here. I'm sure he's not going to use this as a title. And then we'll flip to the end of July. That we'll finish this series out. We've got a really cool series that we're working on for um, uh, August with some props, a really cool prop. And uh, you'll enjoy that. So come on out. Baseball team's here. Give it up for the Catawba Valley Stars. They're on a roll. They're kicking and they're doing good. Go out and see them sometime. Today they play at 3 and 5 at LR. So if you're not doing anything, come on out. Grab a hamburger or a hot dog and uh, uh, just enjoy the game. 3 and 5. Future professional baseball players you'll be watching. So get an autograph now. We have bats and balls that we've had autographed. And so our... Um, 
My grandbabies have said, uh, Poppy, what are they worth? I said, not a whole lot yet, <laughs> but they might be worth a whole lot someday. What, what makes them worth a lot when these guys make it to the pros? So some of you here has got to make it to the pros. So, so uh, the bats that my grandbabies have are worth something. Uh, so I, we believe in you. We believe in you. Again, we do. No excuses. No buts. No buts. So, you know, I mean, just stop thinking whatever you're thinking. No excuses. So we're, today's message, if you take notes or don't take notes, you may want to write a couple things down. I'll tell you what to write down as we go through it, because there's a twist in the scriptures the Lord showed me this week that I had not heard anybody else preach on ever. And so I want to share it with you. It doesn't mean it's new revelation. Somebody may have preached on it, but it was new revelation to me, and it became new revelation to me. I knew that God was sharing it with me to share with you folks, because it's really something impactful in your life if you're going through. How many would say, man, I'm kind of just going through something right now, just you can raise your hand, it's all right, yeah. I think people go through stuff all the time. You either came out of going through something, you're either in the middle of going through something, or you're going to be going through something. It's going to happen. That's just part of life. And so, uh, as is our tradition, and we haven't done it recently because I've been going through the text uh, verse by verse, I'd like you to stand today for the reading of the Word of God out of Genesis, the 50th chapter. Verse number 15, we'll read through 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said to one another, if Joseph is holding a grudge against us, he will certainly repay us for all the wrong that we caused him. So they sent this message to Joseph before he died, your father gave a command. In other words, check it out, they're basically lying, all right? Jacob didn't say this, okay? They're saying, like, we got to cover our tracks, just like people do. So it kind of backfires on them, but in a good way. Say this to Joseph, please forgive your brother's transgression and their sin, the wrong they caused you. Therefore, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the Lord, a God of your father. Joseph wept when they heard this message and it came to him. Then his brothers also came to him, bowed down before him, and said, We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? In other words, leave all your judgments to the Lord. You plant evil against me, but God. Everybody say, but God. But God. That's important to know during this whole sermon series. It's especially important to know today. But God has your back. But God has a plan. But God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your little ones. And be, he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is Joseph. He could have killed them. He could have treated them the exact same way that he was treated. And he did not. Why? Because God saw him through. He wanted to see them through. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much because you are such an awesome God. And we thank you, Lord, that we can say, but God is in our life. But God planned it out. But God is taking care of us. But God cares. But God is our strength and our refuge, a strong tower in a time of need. Father, I pray right now that anybody here today going through anything, any garbage, any uh, anxiety, any hesitation, any, any stuff, Lord, whether it's been caused by them or not, Lord, that you, they could have a but God moment. His plans for me will succeed. I pray, Lord, that you help us to hear today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. All right, God bless you. You can be seated. There's a couple of things, and I don't think I'll take a lot of your time today, but there's a, a couple of things that you might want to write down. Joseph uh, had a dream, so write down, I have a dream. It's important in your life that you have a dream. The dreams are a catalyst for what God may want us to do. And so write these five words down if you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, if you have a mobile device, if you, uh, if you, if you just want to write in your Bible, I write in my Bible or on the worship guide, write down the word dream. You have to dream. So I'll give you the five words and then I'll analyze them for a second. So the first word is dream. The second word is hope. The third word is faith. So first of all, dream, hope, faith. And then the fourth word is action. Got to have action. And then the fifth word is reality. There's a process here that we go through. First is dream. Then we hope. Then we have faith. Then we have action. Then we have reality. We have a lot of high school graduates in our our midst today. And then they may have a dream of what they may want to be, but the dream will stay stagnant if they don't activate their hope. If they don't have hope, then they can't have any faith. See, we first have a dream. Proverbs uh, 29, 18 says, where there is no vision or no dream or no institution, where there's no image, where there's nothing that inspires you, then the people will perish or cast off restraints. We will lie dormant if we don't have a dream in our life. I think we need to release dreamers in our church. You need to be able to dream. You need to be able to have vision. You need to be able to have a vision for your business or for your ministry or for your family or for your kids or grandbabies, for your baseball team, for your, for your season of your life, for your school, whatever it is, you need to dream. And then when you start to dream, that releases hope within us. Now, uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm a firm believer that if the enemy can grab your hope, he cancels your faith out. He doesn't care how much faith you have if he can take your hope away. You go to the doctor, and the doctor might say it's a hopeless situation. All of a sudden, your faith went from here to here. Why? Because you've had hope removed. But if you can dream, all of a sudden, you can start to hope. Man, I've dreamt this thing. I've seen this thing in the, in the spiritual. Now there's a hope thing. Elijah said to his servant, he said, go out and see if there's any rain. See if there's anything in the clouds. And he went out there the first time and said, no. And he came back. He went out again later. He said, well, there is a cloud. It's the size of a man's hand. Elijah started jumping up and down. Thank you, Lord. The rain is coming. There is hope in your life. So you need to know that there's hope. It's not a hopeless situation. There can be hope. Hope then instigates faith. And every person here has been given a measure of faith. And hope instigates that faith. Hope says, oh man, I can do it. And all of a sudden, I start to walk in faith. And Hebrews 6 and 11, 11 and 6 says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek after him. Without faith, you cannot please God. And so we, we dream and then we have hope. And now we have faith and faith starts to give us the courage. But Paul said this, that you show me your faith and I'll show you my works. So now that you have faith, you have to put that into flight. You have to work. You can have all the faith in the world, but if you sit on the sofa every day and eat bonbons and watch Prices Right and don't get a job, you're never. It is not going to work out for you. I pray. I pray that the Lord gives me the lottery-winning ticket number. Oh, Pastor, that's evil. You really do that? Well, if He gives me the ticket number and I know it's the winner, I'm going to go buy one. I'll even show the proceeds, but he never has. But he has given me a job. He has given me a career. He's given me a profession. He's given me those things because he wants me to get up and work every day. 
And by the way, if you buy a ticket and you win, you better tithe. And we've agreed as a board that you should tithe 25% because you shouldn't be playing the lottery anyways. And so because your name will be in the news, we'll know how much your tithe should have been. So make sure that you bring it to Grace Church. We will celebrate you behind the scenes. We'll take you out for a soda or whatever. And then we will build, we will build campuses all over the place so that we can reach the kingdom for the gospel's sake. Amen? Amen. Don't go buy a lottery ticket. Dream, hope, faith. Action. That's just what Paul's saying. I'll show you my work. You have to put it into action, and then it becomes a reality, okay? When we talk to young people, it's, it's good to have a dream. Man, I want to have a dream. It's even good. Man, I'm hoping things are going to work out. I have faith that's going to take place, but they don't always want to put the work in. They, always don't, they don't always want the action. You need, to, you need to put the work in. Adults, the same thing, or older people, the same thing. Your time is not done yet. God is on your side. He has a, maybe another season for you, but he wants you to work so that you can see the reality of that dream take place. I have some people that I want to show you some pictures of because they're really cool stories. One is, you know it, I have a dream, Martin Luther King. He, sp he spoke, I have a dream. His dream was to end segregation, and I'm not saying that we are there yet, but we're further along than when he spoke that moment. I have a dream, he said. There, there's a positive there that, that his sons and daughters could go to school with white people, that they wouldn't have to sit on the back of the bus, use a different restroom. He had a dream. He had a dream. A dream became hope. Hope became faith. Faith became action. And he started to see the reality. And we've seen a lot more reality since he's been gone. JFK had a, a dream to put a man in the moon in the 60s. We see that, and as a result, we're able to talk on cellular phones, watch cable television or dish television. All these things have happened. Why? Because there was a, a space war with Russia, but he had a dream that it could be done. He did not see that dream fulfilled, but he had a dream. Walt Disney had a, had a dream of Disney World in Orlando, Florida. In fact, my understanding, I've read the article of when Mrs. Disney did the, I think her name's Betty. When Mrs. Is it Betty? Emily? you know? She's our Disney connoisseur. Uh, but when Mrs. Disney gave uh, uh, the inauguration or the, the, the uh, dedication speak, one of the uh, writers there, the journalist said, Mrs. Disney, don't you wish Walt could have seen this? And Mrs. Disney said this, Walt did see it, even though it was seven years before. Otherwise, it wouldn't have existed today. Of course Walt saw it. He just didn't see the real tangible thing, but he saw it. He had a dream. He had hope. He had faith. He put it into actions and then became reality. I'm going to show you a picture of CenturyLink uh, uh, Auditorium in Omaha, Nebraska. It's, it's 18,000 people. It's where the University of Creighton plays uh, basketball. They are number eight in America in home attendance and fans. They, they pack it out every, every home game. It's a sellout. It's an amazing event. It's an amazing arena. Janie and I have attended several events there. Back in the late 70s or maybe even the whole decade of the 70s, uh, Janie's grandfather, Jesse Jordan Sr., would have a tent revival. Anybody remember tent revivals back in the day? 
the month of August. The month of August is the hottest month of the year in Omaha, in Nebraska. It's the average high is 95. There's nearly, I would say, probably 10 or 12 days in that month that gets up over 100. And so he would have the tent revival, and, and uh, uh, Jesse Sr. would preach, and Jesse Jr., Janie's father, would preach, and they'd tad back and forth, and there'd be, they'd bring in different speakers, and, and Janie would go every night with her father. And I don't think the family would always go, but sometimes they would. But, but, but Jesse... Uh, my father-in-law would always say, Jane, come on, let's, let's go down to the, the tent meeting. And every day for the month of August, they would go down for the revival. Well, I was invited to go to one before I was uh, fully saved <laughs> and before I was married. And uh, I, I was, uh, when you grow up Roman Catholic, you're not really familiar with like tent revivals and uh, white hankies and, you know, people standing up saying, brooch and all that kind of stuff. And so I was a little bit culture shocked, but I remember this particular message that not Jesse Sr. preached, but his brother Ed came in and preached. And when he preached this specific night, he said uh, that he talked to his brother Jesse, Janie's grandfather, and said, I heard Jesse say, and everybody in the Jordan family looked up to Gramps, he's a special guy. Special guy. I heard Jesse say, thousands will be won on this ground right here. Thousands are to come to know Jesus Christ right here. And I'm sitting there maybe with 100 or 150 different people. It was a nice crowd for a hot August evening. I thought, man, you, you can't even fit 1,000 people in this place. You, 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 how could 1,000 how could people here? See, I, I was thinking of a finite mind, and he was preaching on an infinite God in 2006. And Janie and I were able to go to this arena, and we, we listened and heard Joyce Meyer preach to 18,000 people that particular day, of which about four or 5,000 went forward and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it was, I was reminded because where this auditorium sits in Omaha, Nebraska, is the exact place that Grandpa Jordan had his tent where revival, where he prophesied and he had a dream. Thousands would come forward. You see, Joyce Meyer preached that day and thousands came forward, but that seed was planted 20 or 30 years before that when Jesse Jordan Sr. preached and prophesied. See, your dream, you might dream something that doesn't come to pass until the second or third generation, but that's okay because God might be using you to reach somebody else. See, it's important to know that the dream can't always be about us. The dream's got to be about the kingdom. The dream's got to be about other people. The dream's got to be about Cherokee or, or uh, someone else in, in your neighborhood. The dream's got to be. And when we were in this place, I was reminded that day as I sat there listening to Joyce Meyer speak that this is the very ground that Gramps Jesse Jordan Sr. Had that, had that dream that thousands would be coming to the Lord and 4,000 or 5,000 people got out of their seats and walked forward. God is faithful church. God is faithful. I'm reminded of a story because we have the baseball team here of a young man who grew up on an Indian reservation in western Nebraska in a single wide trailer with a father who was confined to a wheelchair. And if you know most reservations, there's alcohol and drug issues. And this, this young person who was 
slightly overweight. His father had an had a alcohol problem, and he did everything he could to get, get off the reservation, and he couldn't. Well, the young man decided he wanted to start playing baseball, and he wasn't very good. He, just, he really just wasn't a, a good baseball player. He went on to be a pitcher in his high school uh, team and had a losing record his junior and senior year, didn't make the team his freshman and sophomore year, and he walked on at a, at a university in Nebraska named Kearney State. Kearney State's in the middle of nowhere. Janie and I could take you there. If you go from Omaha to Denver, Kearney's a little bit short of halfway. And it's a small town with a state university, uh, Kearney State. And uh, the young man pitched there for a year, had a losing record at the school. Uh, could throw, but he threw wild. He wasn't that good. He, about an arm similar to mine, coach, but you've never used me yet. Just saying. But he had a dream. He had a dream that one day he would pitch for the University of Nebraska. Now, Nebraska plays football. They don't do baseball very well. But he walked on at the University of Nebraska after he had a losing season at Kearney State. He walked on to the University of Nebraska. He sat for a year, and then he pitched his sophomore and junior year, and something clicked. He took Nebraska to two of their only three College World Series ever. And he pitched and he started to, it started to make sense. It started to click. But he had a dream and then that dream became hope and that hope became faith and that faith was put into works and actions. And in the second round of his junior year, the New York Yankees drafted Jabba Chamberlain. You knew I was talking about Jabba. And he won a World Series with him. A kid who had a losing high school record became a professional baseball player and won a World Series ring. Why? Because he had a dream. He had a dream. Now, that doesn't happen to everybody. I've dreamt about being an outside linebacker for the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> That'll never happen. But that's okay. Some dreams aren't meant to be fulfilled, but Jabba had a dream, and Jabba won a World Series. See, the second part of this is you may have a dream, but God has a plan. That's point number two. You need to write that down. You have to make sure that your, that your dream is, works together with God's plan. See, the dreams and the plans, I have a dream of doing this, but if it doesn't fit into God's plan, he has a way of moving those things down for us. We have to understand how God works, and God works in mysterious ways. And sometimes I think in the church world, we get this a little bit of confusion between favor and blessings, okay? We really want, I want God's favor on my life. And while I was studying this week, the Lord really, I felt, gave me a revelation of what his favor really is. And I need to share this with you, and you might want to write it down because sometimes we confuse favor and blessing. We all want to be blessed, right? And we really all want God's favor, but God's favor means a little bit different. So write this down. Scriptural favor means more of a mandate than it does blessing. Scriptural favor means more of a mandate than it does blessing. We've confused it by asking God's favor and we go through something hard. We think God's favor is upon us or God's favor left us. God, why did your favor, favor leave us when we want the blessing and the blessing comes in the second generation? And so let me explain for a moment. We look at different people in the scriptures. Genesis 6, 8, the Bible says that, no, that the favor of the Lord rested on Noah. Well, we look at Noah's life and we say, okay, if, God, if God's favor rested on Noah, let's look at him for a second. For a hundred years, he built a boat when there was no water to sail it on. 
He was persecuted every single day for a hundred years by people that did not understand what he was doing. He lost all of his friends in a flood. He lost everything he owned in a flood. He had to, he had to work with his family for a hundred years to build a boat. He had to bring animals on or God brought animals on. Somehow the animals got on there and for a year he stayed on a boat. This is God's favor setting upon him. See, God's favor becomes a mandate of things that we need to do so that the people that come after us get blessed. And sometimes we think that the Lord left us because he's not given us his favor anymore. His favor is something that he wants you to walk through. What's another one? Jacob and Joseph. We're preaching on Joseph. Joseph was, the Bible says in uh, Genesis, the 37th chapter, that he was Jacob's favorite. And the favor of Jacob rested on Joseph. It's a father-son. It's a type of God and us situation where God's favor rested upon him, yet he went into the prison, he went into the pit, he went back into the prison again. He had all the 13 years, he, he, he fell into different situations that were no good, and yet he never complained. He had this favor that was rested upon him, and this, this favor that rested upon him caused all kind of anxiety, all kind of attacks, all kind of things. His brothers threw him in a pit, and I'm so glad if you followed the Taiwanese soccer team that they made it out of the cave alive. An amazing story. It's a truly, truly cool story. And I could see how, how Joseph was thrown into this pit or a type of cave and his brothers left him. And then the Bible says that Reuben kind of got a, a second thoughts about it. We should go get our brother up. He had the opportunity to do the right thing. They go and get him out and then they sell him into slavery. So he goes from the pit into slavery and slavery in Egypt would have been hard. But he keeps his mouth shut. And so sometimes we, we have this but God scenario to where if we don't keep our mouth shut, we start to make excuses. Well, I would be this but. I could do this but. I could have been there but. I would go there but. I would try this but. I could do that but. But God is what we need to start saying. But God, if, if God be for me, who can be against me? But God is on my side. We read it in verse 20 of the 50th chapter. But God had a plan through all of this. But God has a plan. If God, thinks you're, if God thinks you are his favorite, he's going to give you a job to do. He's going to give duty. One of the things that we learned growing up is when someone says, hey, could I ask you a favor? Anybody ever asked anybody of a favor? Generally, you wanted them to do something. Or maybe someone's asked you of a favor. Usually there's an action step. Hey, I'm painting my house. Can I ask you a favor? Would you help me paint? Hey, I'm moving. Can I ask you a favor? Would you help me move? Could I borrow your truck? Hey, I'm, I'm doing this. Could I ask you a favor? Could you watch my dogs? I'm going out of town. Could you do this? Could I ask a favor of you? If someone says to you, hey, can I ask a favor of you? Usually they want something in exchange. When God says, hey, you are my favorite, he usually wants you to do something for him. And we've taken it as, oh, the favor of God is upon my life. Dear Lord, so that when we go through trouble, we don't think that God has initiated our walk through that. We think that God's bailed out on us. He's asked you to do something because he trusts you, because he loves you, because he cares for you, because he's concerned for you. Let's look at Mary for a second. New Testament. So we have two in the Old Testament. We have two in the New Testament. The New Testament, Bible says, Luke, the first chapter, Mary, thou art favored and blessed among women. In fact, highly favored, Gabriel says. Now think about that for a second. Mary was highly favored among all women. 
Look at her favor. She was going to give birth to the Son of God. Explain that to your fiancé. She's a teenager, and in the culture of the day, once you got um, uh, engaged, it was the same as being married, but you didn't have the relationship of marriage until after you said the vows. And so she, had, she would be put away. She goes to Joseph one day and says, hey, I got something to tell you. Uh, I'm pregnant. And Joseph's like, what do you mean you're pregnant? I thought we were getting married. And, and so he gets all mad. He's going to leave. But the topper is, well, yeah, uh, God got me pregnant. Now, that's not even a good movie. So God got me pregnant, and then a dream Joseph has, God comes and says, hey, it's okay, everything's cool, it's going to happen. So this is, wait, Mary is highly favored. This is how Mary was favored by God. So Mary's got to uh, give birth to Jesus, and then she's going to raise him, and then she's going to watch him, moms, she's going to watch him die on a cross. Now, that just doesn't turn you upside down a little bit. Nothing will. This is how Mary was favored of the Lord. Think about it. We've mistaken what favor really is. Favor is a mandate, not a blessing. And when God places his favor upon you, he trusts you to be able to do something. In other words, you could flip the script a little bit and say, okay, I'm doing God a favor by walking through this trial. I'm doing God a favor by persevering to the end. I'm doing God a trial by, by trying to get through this thing. God is, there's a, there's, a, there's a trial here, and Jesus said trials and tribulations, they're going to come. Why? Because God thinks that much of you, that he trusts you, that he knows you can endure it. And if you can't, he'll get somebody else that can. Well, then Jesus, in, the, in Matthew, the second chapter, the Bible says that he grew in favor and grace of the Lord. So this is God. Now, I'm personally believing that Jesus was probably God's favorite. Would you agree with that? Some of you think you are. <laughs> I'm thinking it was Jesus. He's part of the Godhead. He's part of the Trinity. He came in his earth suit so he could live this life. But, but God called Jesus to be crucified on a cross so that we could have life. In fact, Isaiah 53 says it pleased God for Jesus to have to go through that. We have misconstrued favor for quite some time. We think it's kind of a name it and claim it, blab it and grab it type thing. Oh man, God's favor's upon me. I found this parking place. No, the guy before you moved out and you pulled in. Church, hear me for a second. We, we've misread favor. Now listen, I agree with favor. In fact, I think grace links favor and blessing together. And I think if we're going to shout grace, we need to shout grace. But we also need to understand the Lord may cause you to walk through some things that give him glory, honor, and praise. If God has caused favor over Noah, but made him labor for 100 years, if God has caused favor over Joseph, but made him go through the pit and the prison and back into the pit and slavery and prison again for 13 years, if God caused favor over Mary, but she had to watch her only son or her first son die on a cross, and if God caused favor over Jesus and he had to die on a cross, the favor that God places upon you might be something that he knows you can walk through so that he can get glory, honor, and praise. So that's an important ingredient to understand because we, we so many times, I want God's favor. Be careful what you ask for, you might get it. 
And if, if God's wanting to give you favor, then all you have to do is endure to the end. All you have to do is say, man, God, God's put his favor upon me. He wants me to walk through this. God's put his favor on me. He wants me to endure this. God's put his favor on me. He wants me to build this relationship. He wants me to build this marriage. He wants me to build my finances. Why? I don't understand why the first four jobs I had when we got married, I got laid off of. I must be God's favorite. I never thought that at the time. It's like, honey, I got laid off again. I'm really God's favorite. No, God wants you to endure things so that later in life when things get really messy, you know how to press through. You know how to endure. You know how to muscle through. You know how to get through those things. You, church, you are God's favorite. He's got a job for you to do. He's got duty for you to do. I can't explain it all. I just know that if we understand that this favor is more of a mandate scripturally, We've kind of tossed it on its head a little bit, and we, we write books about all the, the best things and the great things, and I do believe the best is yet to come. I think God's favor is upon you, but understand this. Favor comes in the next generation. We are walking in the favor that Jesus unleashed when he died and rose from the dead. When he rose from the grave, we recognize that, but there might be a favorable position that God has for you, that as you walk through something, you don't understand why you're going through it. The Lord's challenging you because he's put favor on you because he trusts you to be able to do the things that he's called you to do. See, we look at church and we think, man, I go to church on Sundays, I pay my tithes, I pay my, I pay my debt to society, I, I endure for an hour and 15 minutes, and now I'm free the rest of the week. The Lord has so much more for you if you'll awaken yourself to the challenge of the Lord. If you're awaken yourself to the challenge of who Christ can be in you as the favor that he runs with you. Let's go to the very last point then. True prosperity believes God's possibilities. If, if we watch what the Lord will do, if we, if we understand who Christ is in us, if we understand the, these blessings flow that we can do things, that if I have a, a dream and that dream inspires hope and that hope uh, institutes faith and that faith causes me to, to work and that work causes me then to see realities, that uh, if I do that in the spiritual realm, that favor overwhelms me. And this is God saying, okay, son or daughter, I need you to do something bigger than it can be because you want to give God glory. Then these three things will happen under that one. One, Joseph's dreams seem crazy crushed. It was absolutely crushed. His dreams were gone. They, they, he had this dream that his uh, brothers and sisters were going to bow down to him. And he told them of the dream. And they, and they said, okay, uh, well, that, that doesn't sound real good. And I'm the youngest of eight. If I'd have told my brothers and sisters that they were going to bow down to me, they would have just beat the snot out of me. They would not have thrown me in a pit. They would have just beat me and cleaned me up and, and threw me back in. But his dreams seemed crushed. And he goes from there, he goes to a pit. And maybe your dreams seem crushed today. Maybe like, I'm this age and I didn't think life was going to turn out this way. What in the world? You just need to know that God's favor will be upon you to see you through the thing that you're going through. You can't let other people crush your dreams. You cannot let other people control you. You, cannot, you have to submit yourself wholly and fully to God, and you need to walk into the mercy of the Lord and to Him only, okay? And then the second thing is, if you'll, if you, he said, or this, everyone at one time or another seemed to forget about Him, but God. I say, but God again. But God. Say it like you mean it, but God. But God. Say it one more time, but God. See, some, you, you say things the way you mean them. If 
like Janie comes to me and, uh, honey, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to get some, uh, I'd, li I'd like to get some new furniture. I just, I, I, I know, I just like to get some new furniture. You know what she says? Mark, let's go shopping. I want to buy some new furniture. She, she means it. Let's, let's go. Let's go to the, at your home. I want to pick out some stuff. I said, honey, maybe we should uh, form a budget. No, we'll, we'll worry about that when we get there. No, somebody's got to worry about it. No, we're going to shop and let's go shopping. She's ready. She's got like, she's got but Mark. But Mark's going to pay. And she tells the people at the furniture store, Mark's got it taken care of. She, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna pay for it. Here's what I want. Now listen, you can't let people get in your way of the things that you want. Every person forgot about Joseph but God. They threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. When he was in the prison and, and after he was falsely accused of rape with um, the Pharaoh's wife, then he had uh, interpreted a couple of dreams. And while he was interpreting dreams, he said, please don't forget about me. And the guys that he interpreted the dreams for, the butler and the, and the baker, they both forgot. The baker ends up dying. The butler finally one day years after that, says, wait a second, there was a guy in jail that interpreted it. They brought him out. He interpreted the dreams. Seven years of a really good time, seven years of famine. And Joseph said, you, you need to store up as much as you can over these seven years. And Pharaoh made him second in charge. Everybody forgot but God. And then when the Israelites came, they were able to be preserved into this land called Egypt. Now listen to me. Sometimes you have an Egypt is just a place of preservation. It's not the place of Canaan. It's not the place of blessing. It's the place of just being preserved. God will hold you because he has a better thing for you. Sometimes people are in Egypt and they think that's all there is. That's not all there is. God has a place for you, but you have to stay still there. You can't just keep trying. And Joseph just stayed there, and he stood there, and he was ready. But number three, at all things, Joseph always gave all God, all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Church, listen to me. When you decide in your heart, hey, no matter what I'm going through, and here's the twist, here's the, here's the oddity. You mean I'm God's favorite? And he makes me go through these things? Well, I don't know. Was Noah? Was Jesus? Was Mary? Was Joseph? Listen, Noah preserved all humanity. Joseph preserved all of Israel. Mary preserved the Son of God. And Jesus gave us all salvation. What can you give someone by going through a trial the right way where every time someone turns around, you are always giving God all glory, all honor, all praise, all thanksgiving. People might think, yeah, give it up for the Lord. He's worthy. He's worthy to be honored and praised. We have too many pity parties, church. Oh, look at me. My car broke down. The devil's really fighting me. Change the oil, it won't break down so much. I got laid off my job again. Show up on time, they probably keep you next time. Yeah. Pastor, I ain't got no money. Pay your tithe. The Lord said he'll take care of you. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I, I've tried church. I'm not going there anymore. Okay, well, church is not a building. Church is the cooperation of people who love and are Christ followers together. So if you don't like the church, you're saying you don't like what God instituted through his son, Jesus Christ. 
well, I'm not going to get married because we can just live together. We can just do this. Marriage is a foundation from God. Now listen to me, church. We got to stop complaining about things that are scripturally followed. And if you say, I believe the favor has left me, I would say, maybe you're right where God wants you. And maybe it wasn't the favor you were after. Maybe it was the tangible blessing. But the tangible blessing is the fact we are walking in somebody else's favor. I, I proved it, I believe, with Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer walked in the blessing that a senior man laid the foundation of. That those two will never meet till they get to the other side. And Joyce Meyer has no idea of the prayer that took place on the corner of 9th and California Street for years, the month of August. The man paid out of his own back pocket a guard so nobody would come because it was such a bad part of town and steal the tent and steal the musical equipment and steal everything. He paid a person for 24 hours a day to stay there for 30 days plus. Joyce Myers will never know. And Joel Osteen's preached there and filled the house. And it's good, and I have nothing against those guys, but somebody lays the groundwork for you to walk in. Somebody else's favor, endurance. We have a coach here that nearly pays most of, uh, of the expenses, so, so 30 guys have a chance to go somewhere else and play baseball. Just has a chance. But see, we don't, we don't like it when we hear truth. Because, you know, everything's got to be rosy. <laughs> no, Jesus just said he'd be there with you to walk you through. But I like the idea that maybe, just maybe, God thinks enough of you to allow you to go through what you're going through. Because maybe somebody on the outside is watching you go through it and say, wow, they really do believe in their God. And maybe somebody on the backside is like, going to benefit from that blessing because you endured what you're going through. And so the thing that kind of aggravates God is people that have pity parties and, and complain and they, they get in the wrong spirit because they, they just don't understand why God's on their side. God was on your side 2,000 years ago when he sent his son Jesus Christ to live and die and be raised again for you. Bow your heads, close your eyes just for a second. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I just want you to contemplate today. Maybe you're in a tough spot. We, we totally respect that. My wife and I have been in tough spots throughout our 38 years of marriage. It, it can be brutal at times. Trust me. I understand what you're going through. Maybe it's different than what some of the tough spots we've been through. But tough spots are tough spots. Can I say this? God is on your side. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He loves you and he cares for you. And fact is, he actually thinks that you're strong enough to go through it because he's going to go through it with you. Now I'm asking every person here to stand. If you're comfortable doing so, just raise your hands up for a moment while I pray. We're going to enter into one more worship song. I, I, I pray today that no matter where you're at in your walk with the Lord, no matter where you're at in, in your season of life, if you're going through something, if you're just coming out of something, if you maybe might be going into something, that you know that God's with you. But God, Joseph said, but God had planned this thing for good. Even though the enemy is out there, he means harm against you, but God has planned this thing for good. Father, we thank you so much that you're our rear guard, that you order our steps, Lord, that you, you provide a hedge of protection. Father, we pray right now, Lord, that you'd be with each and every person here today. 
Lord, that you'd watch over them. Lord, let the dreamers dream. Give them hope. Lord, as they have hope, let them institute their faith. Lord, as they have faith, let them start to walk it out. Let them start to work it out, Lord. Lord, let it become a reality to them. But Lord, let them always give you glory, honor, praise, and thanksgiving. Father, we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, Need more inspiration in your life? You don't have to say goodbye anymore. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even our websites by using the links below. Receive live streaming notifications, receive daily encouragement, and stay up to date on the latest information. Follow, like, and subscribe today.